it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Dear gas prices, go take a hike. Toyota is the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years. The Toyota hybrid lineup brings efficiency with power and savings with style. Not to mention top tech to help keep you connected plush premium interiors, and the most advanced Toyota safety features. So, now you know who you're talking to. Toyota, the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years, with a hybrid or electric vehicle built for every driver. Seriously, dear gas prices, do you really think you can stand in our way? Think again. Toyota hybrids. Find yours at toyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Based on manufacturer estimates, CY 2000 through 2021 sales. Welcome back into another edition of the Kickabout here on the Blue Room. I am your host, Rob Vera, joined by my co-host Mark Mosey. Uh, wow, feels feels odd and good and weird and all those things uh, to say that again, Mark. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, anyone who listens to these shows will know that planning is is by no means at the center of of the prep in inverted commas that we do for this show. But <laughs> when I, I always kind of have like a, a bit of a rolling notes element on my phone of things that we definitely have to mention next time we speak yeah, me too and it's been that long that I had, to, I had to take the first few out uh, because i think you know last time we did a show was probably pre champions league final even yeah um, okay. so you know all, all the finger pointing and smiling that we were scheduled to do about things like that kind of fades away into into more recent news doesn't it but mm. no it's uh, good to catch up again and obviously from an Everton point of view, this is always the the weird one, isn't it? We haven't quite ramped up into full transfer mode. If, if that when do we happens. ever ramp up into full transfer <laughs> mode? Except, you know, maybe the last 72 hours of a window usually. And But yeah. hey, we've signed a guy. You know, we signed Tarkovsky. Well, we have. We have. Um, and do you know what? I think 
there's almost, I'm not going to spin too much of a positive on this, and I'm sure we'll speak a hell of a lot about Richarlison today and, and in coming weeks, but is there a bit of silver lining there, Robin, that we've got rid of him this soon? Um, you know, I, I know I'm really clutching there, but <laughs> I think most of us, have a, we had an affordability this summer that we were probably going to lose a big name. Um, you know, obviously it turns out that it is him. Um, he obviously carries a big fee, which is important for, for the rebuilding of the squad. But, I, you know, from a positive point of view, I'm thinking this was important to do at the back end of June as opposed to the back end of August. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm never going to probably frame it as getting rid of Versharlison so much as this is nice no. that we've sold sold him. If if you have to sell, yeah, would you rather sell early on? Yeah, uh, and you know, I'm sure it's not early enough for some people in terms of wanting us to have had all five of our target signings done or whatever. I you know, who knows? Um, yeah, I mean, I think overall it's good. But as Matt reminded me yesterday on the transfer pod, um, season, how does the season already start in like a month? Like <laughs> there is no off season in this sport. It really is. Uh, it really is incredible. Um, when, the, when the fixtures come out, it's always that kind of kick in the stomach reminder, isn't yeah. it? That you know, you're that that forgetful joy that you've had for what was it two or three weeks in between Palace and, and the fixtures coming out. Yeah. Um, that, that that very quickly subsides, doesn't it? You know, the, the, there's there's fantastic elements of that, um, but I, I'm sure you know on within a couple of days of losing Richarlison and getting the squad back and and him being a notable absence, I'm sure Frank Lampard would rather push this whole thing back a few weeks. Yeah, it? probably. Um, I mean, but they all probably would to a degree. I. It's a world. It's a weird World Cup year. Uh, everything's going to be affected by that to a degree, but um, I, I don't even know. I, I I'm I don't know. I look. Let's. I feel like uh, I'm going to take the reins here a little bit, Mark, because I feel like we are jumping straight into Everton, which uh, to quote to quote <laughs> one of my to quote one of my favorite very favorite movies. It's like starting with anal, uh, and I'm just not sure that. I'm I'm quite ready to to do that yet. Uh, look, we've been gone a long time, Mark. Uh, well, <laughs> you've been gone a long time. Yeah. I'm I'm around because uh, I I do transfer pod. You've I think you've ju- you've jumped on you've been on some of the post matches since then. Like kickabout's been gone. We haven't been gone so much, but. Um, now that you say that, actually, post match against Palace was my last show on the Blue. Oh, League. really? See, uh, now that's yeah, the way to go you. out. See, you should have just never come back yeah. after that. Um, there was so much of me that thought this, you know, so much of this night and this club and my life can never be topped here. Yeah. But you've sucked me back in. Well, look, just to to kind of fill in some gaps. So the funniest thing was when we decided to kind of take a hiatus from this for very good reasons. And I think at the time I probably thought we were we might be done done, but I always thought, well, we'll come back for one-offs every once in a while. Um, I put out a little note on Twitter about stopping it, but I I don't think it I I think I posted it at a weird time of day or something like that because and you you got these too. It seemed like for months yeah. after that 
we would still get, hey, w- when's the next kickabout coming out? You guys haven't done one in a while. <laughs> and so I don't know that I I or we effectively communicated that we were even on hiatus. Like, like there are going to be people listening to this and going, you guys were gone for a while? I didn't even really notice. Uh, I, did, I just forgot that you called this thing kickabout and that there's this format that you have, which is not really a format, but... No, I think since <laughs> since our last recording together, well, so we did a couple of one-off kickabouts. Uh, yeah. After well, we did one, what after Palace? I think I was in mm-hmm. Arkansas we- for one. Wasn't I was sitting in a yes. parking lot? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you were you were in the middle of a parking lot next to a big forest where you were staying on yeah. your own, which didn't sound any way murderous. No, it's it does. It definitely does sound like the beginning of a of a weird horror movie, some kind of like torture scenario or something, you know, where I get kidnapped by you know like w- wild rural folk uh, who who decide they're gonna make me pay for I don't know something. Uh, no, it, but we did a couple one offs just because I felt I'm sure we felt at the time like these are heavy Everton times and you know, you got to talk about pals and what's going to come up. And the origin though of us kind of putting pause on this is just that we both have had some life changes and, you know, especially with jobs. Um, I recently switched to a new job to where I'm, I, I, I'm not, you know, it's that thing with a new job where you're, uh, it's not that you're uncomfortable, but you're also kind of like, I don't want to just, take an hour and a half in the middle of the day and say, I'm going to do kick about, you know, like I not, you know, I I would take a long lunch at my old job. I'm not quite comfortable doing that yet. So I'm, you know, we're recording before my workday starts right now. Um, and, and I guess kind of on a lunch, lunch break, or actually it's a day off for you in the middle of your schedule. Yeah, Which is nice. Yeah. But I mean, the the answer to your problem on that note is to just get your new bosses to be, massive fans of the kickabouts which oh god i'm sure after a few after a few listens they'll be they'll be right yeah, on it i want to keep my job and so i keep <laughs> these worlds separate so what i've done so i'm at a new job where it's uh it's one of those i'm like i'm working for a large comp you know larger company than i've ever worked for before and everyone has been lovely and nice and it's cool but they they do that thing where when you first meet the team, and of course, we're all just meeting virtually um, at this stage. Uh, they they do the whole bit where they ask you to share some. What do you do outside of work? What's your unique? Um, I never mention Everton. Like I keep Everton, like like it's like that girlfriend you were kind of ashamed to be dating and you didn't want your friends to know about at some point. Um, I, like I had. <laughs> yeah, like I just don't I don't because if I say if I if I tell people you got to understand like put yourself in my place Mark like you know so you know what are you into uh outside of work <laughs> um uh I I watch uh I watch uh yeah I watch English Premier League Oh, soccer, really? Oh, who, who are you into? And then, yes. and then when you don't say one of the kind of standard four or five names, they're like, Ever- where's Everton? Uh, and then it's, or it's, they know who Everton is, and they're like, huh, Everton, hmm. That's uh, the, the, the usual, bold, bold choice I think the there. usual thing 
how how quickly can you get to the Beatles? How many how many questions oh, does it take? Oh, it's uh, that, that's, that's the game that we usually play on holiday. The worst one was one time when I said, I think I said Everton, and they're like, "Where is that?" And I'm like, "Well, it's not. It's it's actually in in Liverpool." And they're like, "Oh, you mean like Liverpool football? Club? Like like <laughs> like? Well, no, they're they're two different, two very different." <laughs> very different clubs. Yeah. Uh, it's it just becomes that it's like it's like if you have a job that's hard to describe. Like actually, my job is one of those jobs where, like Mark, you can say someone asks you, well, "What do you do for a living?" Well, I'm a pharmacist. You know, like like yeah, I'm yeah. sure there's more complexities to it and levels and all that. But essentially, you get you have like a good one word answer that people can wrap their brain around. Yeah. Me, I have to sort of explain my job. And then, so I feel like Everton is sort of the same thing. Like if I have to, if I, if I even open that door about Everton, it's only going to lead to 20 more questions that I don't want to answer. Are you, are you happy with this this decision? No. Do you enjoy watching this team? No. Why do you do it? I don't know. Like, and then they start to think, well, what kind of person have we just hired here? You know? So what I've done is I've gotten them off the scent by just telling them about my, my weekly music show uh, locally here in Oklahoma city, because in that way, it's like, you know, hey, everyone loves the '90s, man. Everyone loves '90s music. Everyone loves '80s music. Like, that's so cool. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, man, that's awesome. And then that way, if they want to investigate me outside of work, they can listen to that. But I, I, I wouldn't know what to tell them about why I do this podcast in particular, or podcasts about Everton in general. I, I don't have a good answer for that. I'm, I'm now just as I'm saying all this, Mark. I'm finding myself in a period of self examination that's scaring me a bit. Yeah. willing listeners to continue to listen to a show that you have no idea why you do it i am i am a i am married i am married and uh childless and my my child is is this is the sadness of everton uh and the experience uh surrounding it so uh speaking of which now how about a subtle, subtle segue there buddy um mark um i want to let you do the uh do the honors here but uh you told you know. Speaking of things that have changed since we were last together uh, on the kickabout, uh, you've told me uh, that uh, life, life, a big life change, like an actual life change, not like a, not like me. And it's like, oh, I got a, you know, I got a, I got a new car, or I got a, you know, I, I, I tried a new pizza the other day that was really good. Uh, you, you actually have some significant life change that uh, I have been given the green yeah. light to, to broach as a subject today. Do you want to tell the listeners yeah. about uh, who we're welcome, you know, what we're going to be, uh, or who we might be welcoming into the Kickabout family? Well, yeah, life has definitely escalated quickly, <laughs> and um, you know. In, in the same in the same breath of you keeping Everton a secret from your employers, I'm probably going to have to keep Everton a secret from mine and Harriet's new child, uh, <laughs> which we have found out that we will be having Yay! in the new year. Uh, I'm clapping. I'm clapping. Uh, Golf clap. <laughs> Golf clap. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, well, I'm hoping there's not four kids oh. right now that you're doing a golf. Um, what a, what a yeah, nightmare! It's. Uh, it's a strange one, actually. Yeah, it's you know, life over the last you know, obviously you guys have known for a couple of weeks now, but the last few months, you know, I'm sure there's people listening to the show who are expecting children or have obviously had children, and you know, it's it's so so strange. I've said, I've said to a, a few friends, you know, we've done the whole wanting to tell everyone in person as much as we can, and 
uh, Harriet's got some really good sort of filmed reactions of people's surprise. And I think we, we, we just about crept into that, just about crept into the age bracket where people were consistently asking us all of these questions and forever at the point of me and Harriet moving our lips, the expectation was going to be that we were announcing that we were pregnant. So, you know, I'm sure that happens to, to a lot of couples. But when when I'm in that situation, Robin, like Harriet is telling a friend or telling family and you, you kind of watch people's reactions. It's, it's fantastic. But I, I feel almost like I'm watching someone else's life evolve because, you know, the that the pregnancy is not a tangible thing for me because it doesn't change how I feel, you know, physically. I mean, I know um, it's awesome. Being know. A, it's awesome being a man, Mark. It really is. <laughs> Harry, it's obviously got all of these symptoms, which I'm, <laughs> I'm failing in trying to help her with. Yeah. Um, but life as it stands right now, hasn't really altered a great deal for me. Uh, I am sure in the next five and a half months that that, that will change grossly. But I mean, the, the major positive spin with a, a January birth on the back of the World Cup is that I have a new reason to avoid Everton games, mm. um, which I'm realistically going to miss about three or four comfortably of whilst we're uh, whilst we're having a little one, obviously. But yeah, it's um, it's strange. I'm not going to lie. I, you know, I, I see the reactions that I've just told you about, and I say the words that I'm speaking now, but it still doesn't quite feel real. Yeah. It's essentially just for very blurry hospital taken photographs right now and that that's the only real proof that we have that that harriet isn't lying um, <laughs> but yeah i'm reliably informed that she isn't and I'm, I'm fortunate i guess in that we we've got a few a few friends recently that have been in the same situation and, and had little ones so yeah. i i will definitely be be looking for every single element of advice that friends or listeners or anyone in planet earth can can afford me because um yeah o- overwhelmed is is probably an understatement well first first and foremost congratulations uh you know i think it's a bur- i think that you couldn't possibly be um you know bringing a, a life into a more stable political environment and world at large uh, than the one that you're you are uh everton's uh, going to be off to a flying start under frank lampard's first full season i mean i what a time uh no i'm kidding uh no dude that's 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 awesome um i mean my, my plan by now, Rob, is to regress over the next six months and basically act like a child myself yeah. until the point of having to to grow up. But I think you know the I've definitely already mentally hit that point of not midlife crisis, but pre-baby crisis of can I just do all of the fun and free things that I assume time will will, will probably get way beyond me when when the baby is here. So yeah, yeah, I, I think Harriet's already cottoned on to the fact that the one or two extra beers or the night stay away with mates and things have, have already started. And, and I'm, I'm sure that will be casually raised in the, a couple of Is months. this the Mark Mosey rum springer, basically? Like you're, you're just <laughs> yeah. like, well, you know, if I've, I've, if I'm going to be a, a, de- a father, clearly what I need to do is uh, go full Mardi Gras, you know, for the next six months. Uh, yeah, no, I look, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, I can't, I can't relate. Uh, I, I imagine like you don't what you lack in in obviously the physical effects of pregnancy that yeah. your your 
your poor, lovely, sainted wife has to deal with um, is is that the trade. I think what you have to deal with, obviously, is just the creeping, growing anxiety and weight of the uh, weight of responsibility that grows uh, like like a monster coming for you slowly. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah. it's awesome. It's also it's like it's it's a blessing and all of that, too. Now, uh, no, seriously, Mark, I'm going to make morbid jokes about being uh, about the responsibility of being a parent because I'm not one. Uh, but I, I also am thrilled uh, for you, for you and Harriet. Um, have you guys um have you guys picked a name yet? Um, no, so we, we're, we're now, probably not bef- going to find out. Terms of I was, that. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mark. You, you broke up a little bit. Say that again. No, it's okay. I was going to say, we're, we're probably not going to find out in terms of gender. Uh, well, you know, that, that's the situation we're in at the moment. I'm, I'm sure when the time comes and when the question is asked, that may change. But no, do you know what? We've actually got a, uh, on, on the subject of, the blowout before the baby comes. We've got a, a holiday coming up over in the States, actually. Um, oh, yeah. Which is a, a, a bit, bit road trippy. We're, we're doing a little, well, quite a lot of California. Um, and Harriet has already earmarked that entire two weeks as car chat about baby names. Oh, which obviously, to, to a degree, I am borderline fine with. But I'm the, my new internal monologue the game that I play is in which American city will I lose my rag with this game? Uh, and I'm pretty set on San Francisco. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, that, that's the, that's the time that we've set apart to, to do that sort of stuff. But in the meantime, I am of course being a child trying to think about Everton related names that I could possibly give for, for, a boy or a girl. And I think my favorite at the moment, if we're not going to go down the, the route of choosing a current or ex player, is probably Eva Tonian for a girl. Uh, just, just so it can be, it can be forever cursed. Please, please don't do that to your kid. Uh, I don't know what the English or British equivalent to child services is over there, but I will call. Um, Look, no, it's it's bad enough that your kid's going to be born into you know the bloodlines of Everton season ticket holder, uh, you know the nightmare yeah. that it is. But I don't 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 call it. Look, Mark, I'm I'm probably as your friend, as someone who considers you in some way, in considers you in many ways like a brother to me. I mean, I'm not calling it. Wrong, no, 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 I, I don't. Well, first of all, I don't really like how decisive you are about that. I, that's that hurts. That, that stung. That stung a little bit. I felt that. I feel like that was completely unnecessary. Uh, I was just going to say that as your as your friend and your brother, I am probably going to make fun of whatever like ridiculous millennial stupid name you come up with for this kid. Uh, but like, it'll either be too. It'll either be too like hipster or it'll be too English, uh, and you know, like what, what about me as hipster? It isn't, but yet some. I yet, but yet I have it. it you're not, you know, you're not Patty. I get it, but it's just that, you know, or, or even Matt on some days. But like you're, you just, I just find that people 
my my friends, uh, especially you know my white friends, they they just they can't they they can't look at a normal a, a normal name. I know the word normal is terrible. Like a, like a you're Mark, I'm Robert. Uh, you know we are we do a podcast with David and Matthew. Uh, oh, I used to do it with uh, with uh, you know Kate, who is a Catherine. You know like. I, I don't know. I'm, I like. I, I just. I love. I love a good. Yeah. I love a good classic name. That's my bias. But you're probably gonna name the kid like Moonstar or some shit like that. And I can't. I can't really stop you. And I get it. Um, Sport Pesa is the other one. I think if you're gonna go Everton related, Sport Pesa or Kazoo. Well, I think Kazoo's more of a middle name. I think Sport Pace is like a proper first name, but that's, that's, you know, uh, or, or you're probably going to name your kid Olive. Like if she's going to be, if it's a girl, you can probably name it Olive. Like every other. Mike, I might, might suggest that one. I hate, I hate you, you already. Oh. I, I, I don't like this kid already. I could just tell. Oh. I'm going to hold it against your Olive. kid, Mark. I think I'm going to hold this against your kid. Uh, but. Olivestate.com Mosey. Oh God. Are you guys doing like, uh, so will will the kid have just because I see this a lot, you know, like Dominic Calvert Lewin? Yeah. Is it going to be? Is the last name just going to be Mosey, or is there going to be like a hyphenated yeah. name? Yeah, no, you're right. That that is more of a more of a done thing now, isn't it? In terms of post marriage, kind of double barrel in the names, but no, definitely, uh, definitely Mosey. As much as you know, me and Harry have been married for. God, I'm glad she doesn't listen to this. Nearly, 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 nearly four years. <laughs> nearly um, four years. Yeah. Okay. The, the only, the only place that Harriet has changed their name at all, Rob, at all, is on Facebook. Mm. Driver's license, passport. Um, really? Yeah. You know, tell her like. So when, when, when we went for the baby scan a couple of weeks ago, she had to very hastily change her name with her doctor's practice. Because she wanted Harriet Mosey and Baby Mosey, etc., to be on the on the scans. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, the, the the baby will be well within its right to to choose Harriet's maiden name because it's essentially still her. Is it legal. is it really just that Harriet's been too lazy to go do all the paperwork required to get the name change done? Or is this a I conscious choice? Like my wife, my wife, for instance, chose very consciously to keep her last name. It's a combination of, uh, I think we mentioned, I talked about before, like when she was younger, her father passed away. So it was important for her to keep the name that plus I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure she's, you know, she's kind of ashamed to be married to me a little bit like, and I would be too. So I get that. Uh, what do you think it is with Harriet? I was going to say it, it is the deep rooted shame. I think in the build up to the marriage. Yeah. She obviously had high hopes for this developing in an incredibly positive way, but yeah. you know the the six months of childish, pathetic behaviour that I'm about to embark on. To be honest, Rob started three and a half years ago, <laughs> uh, so that's probably the cause of the delay. But um, yeah, you know what? Harriet keeps her maiden name for work purposes as well. Um, she, she's in one of those fields where it's like a done thing to. Never let anyone know that you're married. Apparently, <laughs> uh, it's going to be funny when she's like hiding the pregnancy for a long time. You know, just uh, no. Yeah. I just gained weight, and I don't like you talking about my body. Thank you very much. Yeah, making her sound like she's got a job where it's uncool to say that you're married makes it sound like she does a hell of a lot riskier stuff than she does. 
Uh, but yeah, she, she's definitely not a prostitute. She could be working uh, in the entertainment industry. Like, uh, <laughs> no, like, like I don't know what Harriet does for a living, but there are certain industries where you're, you know, you, you don't, it's like you're supposed to continue yeah. the, the, I don't know if it's a ruse or whatever, but like this, like, yeah. I'm not married. I'm not, I'm just a person uh, and whatever, you know. It's so that, so that she can tempt other single solicitors out for lunch in order to, room her for business. Oh, so she's a lawyer. Okay. I I appreciate that soliciting is a whole different thing, but uh, yeah, she's, again, to reiterate, definitely not a prostitute. Um, Uh, So just for for the whole word thing, solicitor, lawyer, same thing? Is that? Yeah. 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 Just making sure. Uh, Which way around? Lawyer tends to be the way more American way. We call them lawyers or attorneys. And I think our attorney is your solicitor. I don't know why, you know. I I mean, you're asking me to know what my wife does for work here and that's way over It's just that sometimes uh, if, you you know, the word, if you use the word solicitor here, it's generally like, uh, you know, Rob, uh, Rob was, you know, arrested for soliciting prostitution or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's generally yeah, not a good thing. Every other Friday, uh, but usually <laughs> she's a little <laughs> that that rarely happens. I just want to be very clear to the audience that that rarely, probably won't ever happen again. Kind of thing. No, I'm just kidding. You are rarely. Arrested. I'm rarely arrested for soliciting anything. I just want to be very clear. Um, no. Uh, if my new employers are listening, never been arrested. You've done the background check. You know, I haven't been arrested for that. So, um, okay. Well, Mark, um, I think that as time goes on, as, as the, mm-hmm. so there's more developments in terms of knowing the, 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 the sex of the child, uh, you, we can, you know, like, I feel... <sighs> I mean, it stings a little that the three of us didn't sit down and, and talk about our family plan, but fine. You know, it's happened. Now it's a blessing. It's, you know, your wife's pregnant. Um, I do feel like, you know, if, if you guys are, are on the road and, and you need like a third party mediator during these very heated uh, negotiations over, you know, name and uh, add-on fees and all the normal things that a haggling negotiation uh, like that would would consist of. Uh, I'm happy to to be the to be the 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 calm in the storm, the reasonable voice that you may need for this discussion. So, um, okay, now I feel, now that that foreplay is over with. See, now we can get into Everton, Mark. Now I'm ready. Well, no, I'm I'm not ready because oh, okay. It, some some listeners like oh well, oh good they're gonna talk about Everton I can stop fast forwarding now and now you're gonna you're gonna drag us yeah. back all right go for it I'm, yeah and I'm not dragging it man I'm I'm gonna elongate the non Everton section as much <laughs> as I can but um, two things happened actually since I've last spoken to you the first one okay. was you came to Scotland I I had no idea you were oh, going to Scotland but yeah yeah and we anything about it because it looked from you know, from the photos and from the places that you said that you went, um, it looked fantastic. And I think the the funny thing about it was, um, obviously, I live a hell of a lot closer to Scotland than you do. And when you were on the way over, you said, you know, obviously, you and and you know all the other guys in the blue room will have been up to Scotland loads and I, loads. Yeah, of I, I think I've been once as a child. That's but so you, crazy. You, I guarantee 
you've seen more of our country than I have. Now. I don't. I don't understand how you can be from and live in the north of England and not like. To me, Scotland just seems yeah. like. Like I live in Oklahoma. I just uh, yeah. Of course, I I've been to Texas a bunch of times, or I've been to can you know like yeah. Kansas City or Missouri, whatever. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, like so we we went uh, in mid June. I think it was like the 16th through the 23rd, something like that. And the reason I mentioned the dates is because um, that was, I think, around the time where there, where everyone was talking about a big heat wave down, you know, uh, in your, your neck of the woods. But whatever that heat wave was doing resulted in just like this pristine weather in Scotland, like... My my mom and my brother and I. So just to set the backdrop, we this it was my mom's seventy fifth birthday, and so we'd been planning this trip for about a year. Um, you know, it, like her birthday is actually in May, but June is the only, the first time we could do it. It actually uh, overlapped with my birthday, which was great to spend a birthday abroad like that. But um, you know, when we got there, the, the weather was so incredible. We were like, oh, so this is what Scotland weather is like. And everyone kept telling us, no, it's it's really not like this. It's It rains a lot more than this. And we barely yes, got any yeah. rain. I mean, I think the average temperature, I can only do Fahrenheit, it was like, you know, I think it, well, the range was like 55 to about 66, 67 degrees Fahrenheit. It was so lovely. That's, that's- uh, that is a Scottish heat wave, by the way. Well, you know, it might be, but that heat wave compared to the, you know, triple digits that I'm currently enduring in this place called hell uh, here in America is, uh, is it was certainly nice. But no, I look, I'd never been to Scotland before. None of us had. We all we did was uh, we we basically flew into Glasgow, rented a car, um, which that was its own experience because I'd never driven a car in the UK before. Uh, and that was, it's, it's very jarring on the American brain to like have to do everything opposite and the wheels on the other side of the car and the, the roundabouts we have here, but multi-lane roundabouts, like they've got there, like it's, it's like the difference between uh, basic algebra and trigonometry. I feel like, you know, it was, it took some adjustment, but once I got the hang of it, it was great. And um, what a country to road trip through. Uh, Scotland is yeah. absolutely gorgeous. We basically just took like a kind of a, a clockwise loop through the country. Uh, I, we went from uh, Glasgow to, oh gosh, uh, to Oban, to Fort William, to Inverness, uh, to uh, St. Andrews, uh, down to Edinburgh for a couple days, and then back to Glasgow. I mean, it was it was just incredible. Everyone was nice. The weather was, was great. We totally nerded out and, and went and saw a slew of castles uh some that were still still uh, very habitable others that were in ruins uh uh i ate haggis three times while i was there just because I, 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 I i'm a fan i don't i i don't know what i was so scared of it's it's like most meat don't think about how it was made and you're usually fine um but and obviously um uh, i mean i'm not a 
as I like to say, I'm not the drinker that the rest of my blue roommates are. Uh, but um, the 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 whiskey is it really is uh, it, when you're when you're over there, you can't help but want to kind of savor it and enjoy the experience of it. You know, I went to the Oban Oban Distillery, which is is kind of my personal favorite, and that was that was awesome. Uh, brought home a bottle that I I think I paid like. Uh, I, I paid, and I'm only saying this just because of of the comparison, you know, price wise. But like, I paid. I think I, I bought this like nice bottle of rare, you know, when I say rare, like they only release like you know a certain amount every year. But it was uh, it was like a hundred hundred yeah. pound bottle of of whiskey. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, which sounds like a lot. I'm not saying it's cheap, but that same bottle, if I was to buy it over here to even track it down over here, which would be hard, would be like three three times as much you know and so i was taking advantage of the fact that i was getting you know, actually was getting relatively affordable high level whiskey the whole time i was there but honestly the that, oh go ahead what occasions, what occasions is that getting drunk at them rob because i know that like we we've had situations over here so for example when matt was uh best man at my wedding got him a bottle of whiskey absolutely loves it but he made a very foolish declaration at the time that he was only going to drink it when Everton won something. <laughs> um, I, I, I assume he meant a trophy as opposed to a corner. I, I'm not quite sure, but um, yeah. it, for you know, for an expensive bottle of whiskey for you is that is that definitely a, a sort of a special occasion tip or now? Yeah, I mean, I have my uh, you know when I dr- when I have I have whiskey at home and I, I have like a. Now I bought those little Glen. I think they're called Glen Cairn glasses. They're the little. Yeah. They're the best way to drink whiskey. I learned, and they actually absolutely are. But so I usually just have like one, uh, and you know that's about it. But um, and I have the, the you know the relatively the good but standard stuff for that. But the special occasion whiskey is is, I mean. It's probably going to be, um, yeah, some, I, I, like I don't want to make it something impossible. Like I think Matt's almost set up a, situ- a scenario where he's never going to drink that whiskey because um, Everton aren't going to win anything. Yeah. I mean, if they win the Carabao Cup, I mean, I, if they win the League Cup, I might just chug that whole bottle of, of, of expensive whiskey. But no, probably like, you know, um, Gosh, I, 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 you know, like when when Yerry Mina finally leaves and and I yeah. I toast I it toast is. him or, uh, you know, maybe when, uh, you know, if we get a good draw at Anfield this year, maybe I don't know. Uh, I I'm my bar is so low. If I if I tie it to Everton, I feel like I'm never going to drink this thing. Uh, but if I tie it to just like basic life events. Um, what I hope is that it's not like a sad occasion, like oh, someone's passed away. Yeah. Now I'm now I'm having this yeah, train. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to try not to do that, but I'll have to think on that a little bit more. But anyway, the only thing, the other, the only other thing I'll say about Scotland is I don't think picture the the photos don't do it justice. Um, for yeah. any of you who are listening, like if you are um, 35 minutes into this recording and, and you're you haven't fast forwarded through all this, just trying to. F- find Everton content because you think Everton content is more interesting, which it's not. We really, we should say Richarlison every now and again, yeah. just to keep people. Um, okay. Harry Winks, uh, Richarlison, um, <laughs> Duncan Ferguson, legend, uh, oh, or not. I don't know. Uh, no, but, but what I would say, yeah. last thing I'll say about Scotland is, um, 
the, the photos really don't do it justice. It is one of the most physically beautiful places I've ever been to. That, um, in particular, the we- I love the western part, the western and northern parts of the country. And, I mean, it really was all beautiful to me. Um, my, my mother, in particular, found that just any field with sheep in, in it just looked yeah. looked like a, like a symphony to her and she loved it but the drive the, the day we took the drive from I think it was like Fort William to Inverness I've I was just overwhelmed it was just like an eyegasm of beauty uh, just you know just it, it was just mountains and lakes or in this case locks and then you had just um, it, and, and then you combine that with the beautiful weather. Uh, it, it was incredible. I, I, I love that place. I can't take, can't wait to come back, take my wife, um, go do the, now that I know, now that I'm an expert driver, uh, I feel like, I feel like, uh, I can do anything now. Uh, maybe I'll even rent a car when I come to Liverpool next time, drive you guys around. Speaking of the, that, that, oh, driving in general and the drive that you've just mentioned then, <clears throat> And kind of semi-inspired by you in in 24 hours from now as we record. So arriving on Friday, me and a couple of mates are going up to Fort William. Um, so really, you you need to you need to tell me everything about this place. Granted, I will only be there for one night and then promptly head them back down. So stag um, is yeah. a stag do or something? No, we're actually uh, that's a weird place to choose to do a stag. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never been, but I assume it will be. Um, but we're doing the Three Peaks Challenge, um, which is climbing the highest mountain in Scotland, the highest mountain oh. in England, and the highest mountain in Wales. Um, yeah. But it's all within 24 hours. Um, so it, we're doing we're doing the big drive up to to Ben Nevis, which is obviously yeah. quite close to, to Fort William, um, and then we. We climb that at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning and then go, oh, sorry, on Saturday morning mm. um, and then make our way back down to Wales. But yeah, Fort William is is obviously where we're staying for a night, yeah. There's a, uh, I, I mean, obviously, like there was nothing in particular about Fort William in terms of the town that I was just like, yeah. oh, man, there's all these things that I need to go do. But uh, Ben Nevis was really cool to see. Like I, the we actually ate at... There was some restaurant there. It was actually called, I think it was like the Ben Nevis Inn or whatever. But it, it, you drive down this, you think you're driving out to some isolated farm to get murdered. Uh, but yet, you, because it's, Scotland has this thing where, um, you know, you're on this little narrow two lane road. And then suddenly it's like, it's only one lane. And then there are all these little, you know, every 300 yards are these little uh you know sections to pull off and to let the other oncoming person by but it's like it's real tiny you know that the drive is kind of uh, a little nerve-wracking but um i think it's called the ben nevis Inn. i think is what it was called i I'll have to look it up but basically it's right at the foot of of that that mountain and it's it's got it, the restaurant was incredible the food was great it's good to get a reservation but they had a good bar they had um it looks like an old farmhouse or something but you are right there okay. just surrounded by the mountains and it, it's gorgeous really but um now granted yeah. you're probably not yeah. going to be uh imbibing too much uh, the night before a big you know mountain climb or whatever you guys are just basically <laughs> hiking right like it's i'm assuming yeah, you're not actually but, like you know rock climbing per se no, I mean, most of it is, you know, as you say, hiking as opposed to kind of vertical climbs, you know, unless you're an absolute psychopath and yeah. use particular routes to go up these things. But 
Now we'll be we'll be looking for ease and speed. Um, you know, with obviously with that twenty four hour deadline, um, so much of it is is based not only on on traffic, obviously, in terms of just getting lucky with that, but basically running up these mountains as opposed to climbing them. So, yeah, it's a beautiful uh, it's a beautiful part of Scotland. I think you'll have a great time. Yeah. Just you know, really looking forward to it. Yeah, but the the Ben Nevis in. Tomorrow night, that's my uh, that's my last sub before me f- before the punishment. Let me find. Uh, I'll, I'll you know once we get off here. There's probably someone from that area listening to this screaming that I'm getting the name of this place yes. wrong. Yeah. Um, but no, I I I'll find it for sure. And um, it it really was very very okay. cool. So um, the, the, other, the other thing I wanted to mention before we moved on to Web and yeah. and, and you. You messaged me after this happened and said we absolutely need to talk about this on the kickabout next time we record. Uh-oh. And it was me going to see some actual live music. Oh yes, uh, you went and saw the Killers, right? <laughs> yeah, well, so uh, went to see the Killers a couple of weeks ago, and then uh, me and Matt went to see Green Day last week. Uh, oh, so- I've never seen Green Day. That's that. They're on my bucket list. How great was it? I've actually found the outdoor world of music here, but uh, no, just the just going going to gigs generally. You know, you'll say the same, Robin. That you know, it's one of those things that we we all obviously miss for so long. Yeah. Um, but I'd, I'd love to talk about the Killers, but Green Day were just ridiculous. Yeah. Like, God, so good. Like it, 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 we were exactly the same situation. You know, on the bucket list. Um, did they peak years ago? Probably, but you know they're, they're still around. Let's let's try and see them while they're over here. And honestly, God, it yeah. was just amazing. I mean, Matt buying a round of bottles of wine probably helped my positive reflections on the whole night. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, every, every bit that you would imagine them to be, they were. It was it was brilliant. I, I've always I've heard nothing but that about seeing Green Day in concert, yeah. and and I also sort of now granted it's. This is probably because I'm very much of, you know, I'm about 10 years older than you, Mark. So I feel like I'm, I'm of, I'm of what we call the greatest generation. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but you know, like me and me and Les Roberts, you know, we grew up in the, we were teenagers in the nineties. So, um, you know, I, I kind of reject that whole, like, oh, well, you know, they're, they're older now or what, like, who cares? Yeah. They, any band that you like that released, let's say three or four or five, like really great albums, like just because it was a while back doesn't mean that those albums are any less great or that they, you know, unless they now, unless their performance, their ability to perform has completely deteriorated. Yes. Who cares? It's it's sort of like no one says, uh, you know. Uh, oh, I remember when Stephen King used to be good. Uh, you know, like like the the novels he wrote 20, 30 years ago just now don't matter because they were too long ago. Like no one cares about authors in that way. I feel like you know, in in music, I think you you can judge a band by can they still perform live? Um, I don't care if they're playing their old material. Like who cares? That's what it, that's what people want to hear, and and that's some of their best stuff. And but man, that's so cool. So where did you see Green Day? Where was that? Manchester. Yeah, no, it was a really odd one. It was at um, Huddersfield's ground. Huddersfield. Uh, so we were, yeah, we were on the pitch there. So from from here, it's about an hour and a half drive, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we we stayed over and, and went up to Huddersfield, but it, it was either that or London. Um, I, I'm I'm not sure you'll be 
too blown away by their their warm-up acts because nothing about Rob Vera screams Weezer or Fallout Boy to uh, Weezer, uh, yes. Fallout Boy, no. <laughs> um, you know, Weezer were great. Oh, Weezer, I'm sure. No, they're they're. Weezer and Green Day have played a lot of shows together. They've done a lot of double bills over the yeah. years. Uh, I uh, that's another band that I intend to see. No, I I I own a couple of of Weezer albums. I've I definitely was a huge fan growing up. Yes, they're a band who I'm not as into their newer stuff, but I still would want to absolutely see them in concert uh, if given the chance. Yeah. So uh, as, a, as a warm up, it was it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. but um, no, it was just. Uh, I think I think when you go and see any band at all, whether it's for the first time or you know or you've seen them multiple times, you 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 obviously just hope that they don't disappoint. But I think what once you've held them mentally in such high regard as being on that sort of musical bucket list, yeah. there is always that thing, isn't there? Of oh god, I, I really hope that they are everything that people say they are. But yeah. no, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, you've got to do it, Rob. Well, I I. I've seen, I've been back to concerts recently and it's been, it's been really nice. Uh, I'm actually wearing my uh, war on drugs t-shirt. I saw them uh, in Tulsa um, last month at this really kind of old famous uh, historical venue called Kane's ballroom, which if you ever, if you're ever in America and you want to see a great show, like it was, um, it's a great place to see a show, but <clears throat> saw them earlier that week, saw Thievery Corporation, who are great. Um, I'm going to see uh, Interpol and Spoon are playing a double bill show coming up uh, pretty soon uh, here that I can't wait to see. But uh, man, look, you, look you, you don't have to do much to twist my arm to talk about uh, you know live music. <laughs> and now that I know that you're, you're into music, Mark, we're going to have deep, deep discussions about music okay. in the weeks ahead. Um, okay. I might even to my own music radio show over sure. here now because obviously – we're on par at this stage. Yeah. Um, so if you, you know, if you ever need any tips or any recommendations or bands or anything, you know, you know, it's hundred percent. I, you know, you are the Oracle, my man. So I, I, I love it. Okay. Uh, let's, let's circle back to, to Everton now that we've done this extensive amount of, uh, podcast foreplay. Uh, I, uh, okay. Well, we are. So I, I think, Mark, I and Matt and I kind of talked about this yesterday. Um, um, actually, this brings this actually brings to mind something. I think on our show notes from now on, we should do like what I see a lot of those podcasts do, where it says uh, we start talking about Everton at forty-seven minutes and twenty seconds or something like that. Of course, then they'll just fast forward through all of our good stuff. So yeah, if I want to do that. Now you're gonna have to endure. Mark and Rob, <laughs> if you want me, if you want us guys, you gotta, you gotta want all of us. You gotta take the whole package. So, um, okay. So Matt and I were talking about this yesterday. Um, I, I certainly loved the, we, we talked to the last time we were all together about, um, how this past season, as bad as it was, uh, and something we don't necessarily really don't want to go through again anytime soon really felt more vital. Uh, it felt like I, I, I felt more connected to the club or I don't, I don't know how to, and, and that's a weird thing to say because it's not like I feel connected to, 
uh, you know, like me and me and the director of football or me and the owner, certainly. But I, I felt connected to the cause of Everton, if you will, uh, more last season than I had for a while. And that's and I think that's just down to the difference in feeling uh like your, you know, the your existential livelihood is, is being threatened uh, versus just your your run of the mill, boring, disappointing post FA Cup exit run in where you're going to finish twelfth or you're going to finish ninth or tenth, and who really cares? I'm one of those people who's of the opinion that there's really no difference uh, fundamentally between finishing eighth and finishing sixteenth. Like, but I will say that. Finishing 16th in this context where it really was down to having to beat Palace in those circumstances um, definitely made me feel uh, feel things for Everton I hadn't felt in a while. That was good. Uh, I think everyone was of the attitude that, hey, we've made it through this. Let's kick on. Let's get behind Lampard, whatever. I think most. I think it's safe to say, Mark, that most of that good feeling, at least judging by social media, which is always a dangerous thing, uh, that most of that's dissipated now. Um, I think we're back into. It's honestly kind of comforting, Mark, that we're back into our normal rhythm of being jealous of every other club and how their signings are great and whoever we will sign is terrible and we're not getting enough money for who we sell and you know why are clubs interested in our players. Why aren't clubs interested in our players? Like we 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 ask all these conflicting, contradictory questions uh, without a hint of irony, and it's what I love about Everton, you know, fandom the most uh, is that we are we are uh, concurrently uh, tone deaf and plugged in all at once. It's it's really it's really kind of magical in its own way, but. We are now into the very beginning of preseason training. The players have come back. I am one of those who personally loves, uh, for whatever reason, watching uh, watching the training videos and uh, overanalyzing, uh, you know, how the manager is, is training them and then which players are there, which players aren't, uh, which players look like they're getting along, which players look like they are a little distant. Uh, is there tension? Uh, I, I don't know. I just, I enjoy, I enjoy the minutia of it because I find that, that the details are generally going to be more interesting than the overall proposition of what Everton are going to be this season. Um, Mark, I'm, I am, I think, coming off of a season where we were genuinely threatened with relegation, uh, coming into the season with just, just very modest expectations of, you know, like, let's just be safe this season and let's also do the thing that is, and I don't think I'm asking for anything wildly uh, imaginative or progressive here, but I, I just think that if you know you're not going to be challenging for Europe in a season like this because we're in, the, we're going to have to kind of overhaul the squad. We just sold Richarlison, et cetera. Then use this time to make sure that you know we're learning something about some of our players, right? Like I get that there's a balance between well, you can't play too many young players because you don't want to get relegated, which I certainly understand. But also, we saw what game time did for Anthony Gordon. We saw what game time did for uh, Mikolinko. Um, I think that there's been too little of that kind of exposure and, and game time for young players over the last decade or so for Everton. And I think we've paid for it, frankly. I think we've lost, you know, like like I think we, we have lost um, 
you know, certain players that if they had been given more game time at Everton could have developed, who we've now seen, uh, who are now playing for <laughs> other Premier League teams. Uh, you know, Lookman, uh, oh gosh, the Croatian kid whose name I'm totally blanking on. Vast, yeah, th- those guys have turned into, you know, very solid, usable Premier League players that, you know, we, we, we had uh, and we didn't have to pay a ton of money for. And we just never... You know, there always seemed to be a reason, but I'd like to see us do that and take this season and make this season useful and, and just just be able to go to Goodison again. And, 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 and uh, you know, I, I don't expect this to be good. I just want us to be occasionally good and, and to beat a big team every once in a while and, and just to enjoy watching the development of a young team, younger team moving in a certain direction. I don't by the way, subscribe to the theory that all 11 players have to be under the age of 23 and that we have to only, you know, they can only be sourced from the Hungarian second division for it to have been a good deal that we acquired them or anything like that. You know me. I think that, I think that players like, like Allen are still going to be around to Decor- We picked up the option on Decore. So, you know, uh, Michael Keane's not, I don't think he's probably going in. Well, We'll get to defense in a bit. I don't know who's going anywhere because really it's weird that we signed Tarkovsky and it just appears we're going to stockpile center halves. But um, I guess all of that to say, Mark, is that's kind of how I'm viewing uh, the expectations for this season. So the angst is coming, of course, because we haven't been as busy in the transfer market yet. Um, I think that that stuff will come to a degree. I think that there's some challenges in the market, but what's your overall outlook kind of coming into the season? What do you want Everton to be doing this summer realistically uh, with the Richarlison money, with other sales? Uh, you know, Ed, what what do you kind of hope to get out of Everton this season? I think the, you know, the, the outlook that we have on the season and our, ambition or arguably lack of it going into the first game in August. I don't think we've really been in this situation for a long, long time. You know, a, a lot of a lot of what you said and how you said it then about what you want from this particular season was very calm. It's very non-expectant. Um, I think so much of primarily the machinery years have been centred very very largely on relentless progress. You know, it sounds absolutely ridiculous to bring in some of the lines that have been said by previous managers and directors of football and um, CEOs of the fact that Everton simply have to be challenging for every trophy and lifting league titles within five, six years. I can't remember the direct quotes, but my overall point is that the relentless ambition of this football club has been in my opinion, a bit overawing in in recent years. Um, and, you know, that that's not me saying Everton should know their role and get back in their place and, and get back to, to the Moyes-esque joy of finishing mid-table and beating big teams every couple of, you know, a couple of times a season. But maybe we need that reset. Um, and I think that that's probably the one word that I hope this summer will be and I hope that next season will be is just that, that calming period for Everton to actually realise what they are right now, not what they're going to be in the next five or six years, because that's always been the mantra of everyone involved in this club is what what can we do in the next few years? And I don't think we've ever really been settled enough to warrant looking ahead positively like that. I mean, 
I, for me, a football club that looks ahead and thinks, well, you know, where can we go from here? That's one that's just won a League Cup or just, just finished fourth out of nowhere. And I appreciate we did that a long, long time ago. Um, but th- there's been no, th- there's no stable foundation for that level of ambition to, to creep in for me at the moment. Right. I want to see some of the players that we afforded opportunities to last season and no doubt will this season have relatively steady seven or eight out of ten seasons. That, 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 that's all we need from these players because we want progress over a number of years. We don't want someone like Ross Barkley to come in and have 12 great games and then have four awful seasons and sign a new long-term contract on 150 grand a week. And then here we are again in 2029 with all of the same problems. Yeah. I think the, the important thing that you said, Rob, about you know what you want from this season, but certainly I wanted and to a degree got towards the back end of last season is that if, if we can't be brilliant at this sport, we at least have to learn things about the people that we've got at the football club. Yeah. You know, that you can you can attribute that to the manager and, and Kevin Falwell and all of these other people in, in the backroom staff. But primarily, we need to learn what the players are capable of in important moments. And, and during a relegation battle, that's absolutely what we got. I mean, you mentioned Gordon, you mentioned Mikolenko. I'd even bring someone like Alex Awobi into that, again, to, to reiterate your point. L- learning things about footballers does not always mean can this 17 or 18-year-old child do, do this particular 100% footballer. right, yes. It's important to know that, you know, an Alex Awobi who has faltered on the wing and kind of sat in for us in a couple of different positions on occasion, when we are in a relegation battle, are we capable of putting him in the centre of midfield for 10 games and him rescuing us? No one would have been brave enough to even ask that question at the start of last season. And the fact that Frank Lampard was able to put that amount of faith in him and ask equally massive questions of of other members of the squad, that's what I want to see this year. We want to see growth universally from most of our players. And I think it, the the era of Mashiri for me has been shrouded in Everton decreasing the value of its of its assets. And you know, I, I know that we've just got some some money back on Richarlison, and certainly from a financial point of view, I think a lot of people would argue that that's a a, a relatively fair deal. Um, yeah. I, I don't really think we can point the finger around most of our squad and say there's someone who we've re- we've brought in and and you know made him a better player or made him a better asset. And uh, obviously Dominic Carvert-Lewin's the other one that, that we've got in that particular attack and role. But I, I, I you know, I, I'm not asking for much here. I just want Everton to be a better football team and a better version of itself in May than it is quite, quite frankly now in July. Yeah. Um, from, from a more short-term point of view, um, I honestly see Everton bringing in at least four or five more players. Really? Um, well, that's I think quite a that, bit. Yeah. I think there's an acceptance from Lampard that there are numerous people at the club who are not good enough or he doesn't trust. Um, you know, we, we've we've obviously signed James Tarkovsky and we still continue to see links across that back line. Uh, in particular, the, the centre-half from Udinese who, who Everton consistently get linked to. Um, I think that that's obviously a nod to the formation that Frank Lampard wants to play next year, but it's also a nod to the fact that for so much of last season, centre-half was a position at Everton where 
it, it was a form position. Mm. You know, whoever's had the best two or three games at centre half gets next week, and then we might change it up next week, the, the week after. Yeah. T- tell me a successful football team in the Premier League that has got league titles or European qualification or won a trophy by consistently changing its back line. But that is the, the core and the foundation of your team. Uh, so I think it's important that we, maybe not in pre-season, but in the very early stages of the season coming, we we get a grip of who that back four or back five is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, other areas for addition, I guess we're, we're obviously looking for an attacking player. Um, it's depressing to say that top of my list, Rob, and top of every Evertonian's list for every transfer window in the last few years probably is more central midfielders. Um, <laughs> there's, of, of the three that you expect Everton to play, I don't think there's any one position that I look at there and think, well, That's, you're, a, you're a six, yeah. you're the eight, you're the ten. Um, and I think that that continues to be a problem. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the, the other thing that I want to say is players who were very much on the outskirts last season, you know, whether they were out on loan or, or we brought them in mid-season, you know, that, that second season bounce that a lot of teams have, I want our players to have that as well. And I think that the one person that's been mentioned a lot this week, and I, I'm interested to see what your thoughts and your expectations are of him for the season coming, um, is Dele Alli. Uh, and, and he is someone Glad you brought who, him up. I, I have no idea how accurate the local reports are that he's he's returned to training looking great and you know he's he's James Milnering the bleep test every day. I, I have no idea how true his reported good fitness or good performance is in, in these early stages, but he he certainly strikes me as being that personification of what I've said about the the, the stepwise growth of Everton. Mm. Can he on the back of a five or six out of ten season, even being generous, sure. can he be an, an, an important member of this squad going forward? He, he, he probably strikes me as being someone, if, if Deli Ali plays well and he has a good season, oh, then that will probably generally reflect on Everton because of where he plays and how important he can be. If, if, if Deli Ali somehow returns to 80% of what he used to be, mm-hmm. Um, I, I, thun, I think fundamentally we are looking at a very different ceiling for Everton. Um, yeah. But let's let's take a step back. Um, I'm glad you brought up Delhi because I was going to bring him up too. Um, not because of the fitness reports. Because, like, I don't know. I, I don't know how common that is over over in, over there. But I there's there's almost it's almost become like a, a comedic bit over here uh and i see this a lot in uh in football here Amer- you know american football where yeah. a player's had a disappointing season the pre- season before comes into training camp and it's best he's in the best shape of his life you know and then of course he inevitably goes out and has the same mediocre disappointing season that he had before but um I don't want to discount it from Delhi because, look, I, I said this at the time, um, and I think a lot of any any role he could have was always going to be kind of weird coming into the situation he was coming into last season. And, and by the way, I will say that if you and I don't think you have to squint too much. I think that you saw those little flashes 
uh, of what what I call the theory of Deli Ali um, at times during the run in last season. I mean, none bigger obviously than the pivotal role he played in that Palace game, which I think has already begun to be forgotten a little bit. But you know that substitution uh, at halftime uh, and his play and his physicality and, and him just kind of bringing everything that he normally can bring uh, into that game. Uh, you combine that with I, I think he had a maybe a couple of assists or like a hockey assist on a late, I think uh, the late goal, uh, it was a late equalizer against Lester. I can't remember. I'm, I'm bad at this game of remembering, but he had some positive contributions there, but they were all in very, you know, cameo type roles. The question now, and, and I said this when we brought him in was that to me, I thought it was the, it was, a smart decision to bring Deli Alley in given how paltry the fee was. I know everyone talks about this weird hypothetical scenario where we're going to still have to pay them oodles of money. Like I, I don't, I don't think that we have to really worry about paying 50, 60, 80 million for him. Oh, we do. We do. Yeah. Every, every time he looks at an adventure, we have to pay half I mean, a million pounds. It's, yeah. it's silly. The, the bottom line is we got him, I think, a permanent deal for him at like 10, wasn't it? Like with these theoretical escalate, it, it doesn't matter. It's hard to know, isn't it? It's hard to know, yeah. But, it, but you know, it's, it's funny watching people try and second guess these kind of figures. Isn't but it? the way I look at the Deli Alley acquisition is I look at it, A, as a Lampard thing on some level in that, you know, he... I think one of the theories of Lampard, if you will, is that... Lampard, uh, unquestionably one of the two or probably three, three or four best midfielders in the you know in the modern Premier League history, especially from England. I don't even, I mean, I don't think it's even close. Just the the goals, oh, yeah. the trophies, all of that. The theory of Lampard is that for what he lacks in managerial experience, he has he brings he makes up for to a degree and just the credibility he brings uh, in this more modern age of you know of of player coaches, you know, managers that that can relate to players. He is not so far removed from his playing days that he can still relate yeah. to the modern footballer, but more importantly, he can look at any footballer and say, "You want what I ha- what I have." Um, and it's true. I mean, it, I think any player would want to aspire to the type of career he's had and so you'd like to think that with midfielders in particular he's the type that could really get through to them um Deli Alley represents what I call a home run swing and, and what I mean by that is that you are yes there's a decent chance it's not going to work out but you're taking a big swing um, and not a not a risky swing either. It's not like we paid a, an a, you know inordinate amount of money for him. We bought him as a distressed asset with the notion that hey, we can rehabilitate this asset into a player who, if it hits, uh, see Damari Gray by the way, um, if it hits. Yeah. Uh, then suddenly you have, for a relatively meager amount of, of financial outlay, gotten yourself a very high quality player. Now, the proof for Deli Ali is just going to be, you know, uh, it, it, does he translate this newfound elite fitness that he has into, uh, you know, into quality uh, looks in training and then, you know, quality performance when he gets out for these preseason games, which then translates into, well, we haven't signed another midfielder. Of course, he's going to start uh, game one. Uh, you know, like it, it does have to be that. But 
you know, let's also be clear. Deli Alley is not 29 or 30 years old. Uh, I, I don't want to get down the uh, Ross Barkley rabbit hole of calling him a young player forever, but he's not an old, he may not be a young player, but he's not an old player either. There is still, if anything, this is the crossroads for Deli Alley's entire career. Um, at this point, he can decide, have I already had my glory days and that's it? And I can just kind of, you know, be done. But I think also I would argue that this is his last chance at this age to actually excel in this yeah. game and get the kind of contract, uh, you know, that that is going to set him for life. And and I think that that is oftentimes quite a motivator for players is is when the when the money part becomes really real. Um, but Deli Ali to me, look, if 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 you can get him back to like I said, just even a reasonable facsimile of who he was, and just keep giving him minutes. I you know we talked before, and Mark, you made a really good point about you know Alex Awobi. I am more interested, as much as I know we're with the loss of Richarlison, we need to bring in transfers, we need to bring in some players to fill some holes, and, and I think you know we've, we've begun to do that with Tarkovsky, for instance, etc. I'm more interested, and I feel like I say this every season, I'm more interested in seeing how this manager, you know, whatever manager it happens to be every season we have this conversation, in this case it's Lampard, to me, I want to see how he develops and or resuscitates certain players. You cannot, um, you know, for any criticisms that Lampard probably rightly deserves for, you know, uh, you know, some of his decisions and some of his performance last season. I think, A, he deserves credit for ultimately delivering on what was the task in front of him, which was, yeah. was, sur- was survival. But I would also say that you you have to give him some credit for his persistence with Anthony Gordon and that development. You have to give him credit for turning Alex Awobi into the player that, that I think a lot of us hoped he could become. And, and maybe even honestly, I, I think in some ways, Alex Awobi were, you know, his, his statistical uh, outlay is not going to just blow you away, but, the but you anyone who watched him for 90 minutes during that run in i mean to me and i keep going back to this the three most crit- critical players for us that saved our season were jordan pickford Richarlison and Alex Wobie. And I don't think, I think they are on a tier by themselves. That goal, I, that goal against Newcastle is still so important. Um, I, I, I think, I think it's already been a little bit lost, but it wasn't just that he was, the effort was there consistently. He translated it from training into, uh, you know, on the pitch. And so I want to see Lampard do that with Deli Ali. I want to see if he can continue to do that with certain players. He clearly has a rapport with players who seem to like him, respect him, get along. You know, Richarlison seemed to have nothing but good things to say about Frank Lampard. He's not going because of Frank Lampard. He's just going because it's time and he wants to play Champions League football. Um, I, I, I want to see that continue. Um, I think that if you, the, the, the idea of being excited about what you have here and seeing how they develop – I'm I'm as interested in transfers as anyone. I think it's its own weird season of wins and losses that we all analyze a lot. But hey, to me, 
I want to see how Nathan Patterson develops. I, if Nathan Patterson is your starting right back at some point for you know per, you know for a consistent period of time, it, 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 you know during the season and develops it, you know through the bumps in the road like Mikalinko did or like Gordon has, that's a success. That's something that you can say in an otherwise forgettable year of Everton football that you can say you know we finished twelfth last you know twelfth in twenty two twenty three, but we also. I took further steps with these foundational pillars of players that we need in order to eventually be, you know, take the next step. I think the problem that we've had as we've talked over the years, Mark, about Everton being in transition or Everton having to lay a foundation or whatever is that, and I don't, and I get where this thinking comes from, but we've always kind of looked at whatever place we finish in the table, we've said, okay, that's our foundation. We finished seventh. So now, or we finished eighth, you know, under, I think Kuman's first season was at seventh or eighth, whatever. But yeah. we finished in a certain place and we look at the place in the table as the foundation, as if that finish in and of itself is like the baseline. And okay, now in order to show progression, we have to now finish sixth or we have to, finish. well, now that we're, we basically don't have many of these expectations anymore about places to finish, it almost becomes now about, well, to me, the foundations are less about the place in the table and more about have we made discernible progress with our players who have gone from level four to level seven uh, and from level mm. seven to, le- you know what I mean? Like I, I, whatever scale you want to use, I will judge the success of Everton Football Club season uh, this time next year based on what kind of season Delhi Ali has had what kind of season has Alex Awobi continued to perform this way? Uh, has um, has Nathan Patterson developed? Has Mikalinko continued to to push forward and 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 develop more as a player? Um, you know these are these are things that are internal development. Sounds like the most nerdy, boring. Like Ugh, okay, yeah, but what about this player we could sign? I think we've got to. I think that player acquisition is always an important part of the equation. But we have to get more excited and more focused on developing the assets that we have in order to create some sustainable success, which I, I, I talk about that a lot. And it just feels like it's always sabotaged by, you know, managerial changes. And, and there have been reasons for it. Like, you know, Benitez should not have ever been the manager and, and we had to get rid of him. I understand that. I think Lampard, God, I can't believe I'm saying this. Lampard has to be given an actual chance. I think there needs to be an acceptance. Yeah. We are probably going to hover around mid to mid lower table for a decent chunks of this season. And we need to be okay with it as long. I mean, not, I get it. Not, I know the NSNO people are going to be like, Oh, you can't ever be okay with that. I just mean, we need to accept that there's going to be some of this, you know, some ugliness uh, in order to develop something beautiful. And I think that, that we need to really just give this time. And so I, I don't know if Lampard will be given that time. I think we're going to learn a lot about what, what, what our new director of football is all about, not only based – everyone's saying, well, we're going to learn about, a lot about Kevin Thelwell based on who we acquire. But I think it's so much more than that. I think it's the structure he puts in place, but I also think it's how much can he influence Mashiri and the board, how much can he – 
essentially say we need to you know have a steady hand here and be patient those are the things i'm looking for this season and and i'm hopeful uh, i'm hopeful that the lessons learned from last season are that maybe persistence and patience are going to be the key to avoiding seasons like last season from this point forward the the thing with lampard that you mentioned there rob is that you know I've, I've heard this said on countless shows since the Crystal Palace game in that his tenure essentially resets now, doesn't it? Because the the nature of his role and you know the, all everything about the pressure that surrounded him and the football club for the last, what was it, five or six months of the season, it basically rendered his time there kind of null and void in terms of the onward progression of Everton. Yeah. Um, you know... None of us could really sit here now and assess Frank Lampard from a technical or a tactical aspect because everything about his job so far has just been very personable in terms of trying to drag every single percent out of any possible footballer he could do. Yeah. And to that end, he's succeeded, as you as you said. You know, I, you you can't point the finger at him, which I know that. A lot of people outside Everton have done, you know, this whole kind of 16th to 16th argument. You, you, you can't look at the man's brief and watch him achieve it and then say, well, you didn't quite achieve it to the extent that we thought you might do. His MO was to keep Everton in the Premier League. And as I say, to that end, he was successful. But in, in terms of what, what a Frank Lampard Everton looks like, I don't necessarily think any of us have got any real sense of what that is we correct you know we know all the things that he says about intensity and pressing and you know playing with a target man and getting the ball out wide all, all of these things which are you know bread and butter to Everton fans but we don't really understand what he wants from this team um you know the, there's a lot of talk we go back to the recruitment and the types of players that we've been linked with and the, and the possible formations that they would fit into so, so much about Everton playing three four three scares me because on paper that that sounds like a, a really flamboyant and eccentric way to play football and that probably it goes against all the things that we've just said about achieving stability this year. But you know, the, well, but stability doesn't have to necessarily be conservative, boring football the whole time. Yeah, like it just you know, yeah. if anything, the lack of expectations ought to mean that look, uh, in some games we're gonna take some chances with our formations in order to develop, yeah. you know, take some short-term pain to develop some long-term benefit. There was, there was far more of a, you know, this is an incredibly bad phrase to use given what was on the line, but there was more of a free hit nature to the chopping and changing that we had last season because right. it was very much a, a horses for courses scenario. Like we've got Burnley on Tuesday, we need to play like this, right. and then we need to totally transform because we've got Chelsea at the weekend. And there will always be an element of that because of the, the nature of the fixture list. But I think stability for me, I, I want to see how Frank, Frank Lampard can instill and develop a tactical element of his managerial ship mm. over the course of 20 games, for example. Can, can, we, can we look a bit ropey playing three at the back for four or five weeks in August? but then look very astute at doing it by Christmas and New Year. Mm. And I appreciate the World Cup gets in the way of this slightly, but it, it's Frank Lampard's time to have that time with his players, isn't it? And, you know, we've, we've, we've longed for an Everett manager to come in and have this particular setup that he has now where there's no real, well, 
I'm not going to say there's no ambition because you will have the NSNO lads on there, but there's there's no there's no massive expectation for this. There's, yeah, long term ambition requires short term oh, yeah. development. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But he he does have the time with his players. He does have a recruitment set up in place. I appreciate it's a very fresh one. And they're still and, and adding people have, to that, and I get all that. But they have a director yeah, of football that's been in place now for a while. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to go full Everton Twitterati into the financial elements of Everton Football Club, but yeah. on the face of it, there is money there for, for Frank Lampard and Kevin Falwell to go and add some additions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so much of me doesn't want to see a Steve Walsh-esque hundred million pound spending spree no. because it, I, I do want it to be stepwise and I do want it to be progressive. But there's on the face of it, there's a lot of the traits that a manager would crave coming into a new team, and that that's pretty much how I'm looking at Frank Lampard at the moment in terms of coming into an entirely new setup because. Given the the nature of last season, I feel like that's that's exactly what it is. But yeah, you know, it's it, it's a it's a massive it's a massive what six weeks for for him and Kevin Farewell now because I think the one thing that we don't want to be doing is going into that new season with the exact squad that we've got right now because yeah. that would just be quintessential. Well, and I. I mentioned this to Matt yesterday, and I'm going to keep reiterating this, not because Everton as a club have done anything for you to not doubt them or to have all this faith in them. But I do think I think Kevin Felwell just on principle alone deserves the benefit of the doubt. I don't want to I don't want to straddle him with all of our baggage Um he needs to be given a chance to be judged on what he does. And, uh, hey, it, it, the clock's ticking. It's time. Now, I, I will say that we we all just, you know, if it, when it comes to player acquisition and how horny everyone is for it right now, like, I, I think it's important to remember that if we hadn't all already kind of known that James Tarkovsky's been signed for a month, uh, we would have just found out he was acquired like a week ago, and we would have probably yes. felt differently about it than we do right now. And that addresses a major hole. This squad will not look like this to start the season, or at the very least, certainly won't look like this before the end of the window. I'm pretty confident about that. Like, it's an untenable situation right now to have added Tarkovsky if they're if they even if they're going to add that that uh uh the the guy from the center half from Udinese which I that's a tenuous link at this point but let's just say they do that signals to me that they've got a a move ready because right now they have too many center halves and so there's gonna I think that they're waiting to see does a develop does a market develop develop for for Mina or for Keane or for Holgate I'm less I, I did a little thread about this recently like I I think that Holgate benefits from the fact that he is on such a cheap contract that there's not the motivation to get like he he's he's a, he's a usable depth player because he can theoretically play center half he can well <laughs> theoretically play center half he is a center half that's wow. fine uh, but tr- to be honest Mason Holgate can theoretically play center half I he played pretty well in the run in but. I've been seduced by flashes from Mason Holgate before. I need to see a lot more yeah. before I believe it. But my point is, is that he's a useful squad player regardless. Um, but but someone is going to have to go. Um, I I think yeah. I've you know I've articulated the reasons why the Yerry Mina thing is not as simple as everyone makes it out to be. You know, he's making a lot of money and he doesn't have 
the motivation to sign a below market deal long term somewhere else when he could just play out this season and then, you know, at better value go, you know, it's like, does he bet on himself? Same thing with Keen. Like Keen makes less money, but he's on the books for three more seasons. And so if Everton could get out, I know because they chose to extend him by five years for reasons that I still don't understand. But anyway. The bottom line is that some center half, obviously Branthwaite, you think goes out on loan. Uh, you've got to get rid of someone, and then midfield, uh, they opted into Decore. Uh, they, you know, all these things. So the mid, and you've got Deli Alley there. So I, I kind of anticipate if we bring in a midfielder, there's probably one midfielder, one central midfielder, and maybe two attacking players. But who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but the last thing I'll finish with Mark, because I know we've got to run, is that everything we're talking about here with Lampard. What's his formation? What are his ideas? What is his approach to player development? Um, who are the players that are incoming and outgoing, etc.? The thing that really sabotaged Everton last season, beyond just the kind of broad, whatever, you know, dark cloud of mismanagement you want to ascribe to the club over the years, was fitness. If Everton cannot keep their important players fit, at a level that is significantly better than it's been over the last few years, none of this discussion matters. If Yerry Mina or, you know, everyone puts it on Yerry Mina, but it's like it's Yerry Mina or it's Calvert-Lewin, especially last season. Decore for two seasons in a row missed huge chunk of time. When your important players miss so much time, uh, it just sabotages every idea that you have. And so I want to see, as much as I want to see how – Lampard develops and, 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 and how he chooses players and formations. I want to see if the staff Everton have now put in place can do a better job of keeping our players fit. I, I know that some of that is down to luck and some of that is down to certain other physical traits, but, but get, you know, get us the inhalers from across the park. If we need to, I don't care, but Everton have got to be a more fit and more reliable and durable squad than they've been or else all of yeah. this discussion is is really just talking about things on on the fringes. So, okay. Oh, go ahead, Mark. Just before we have thing, just, um, you know, if, if we're both going to try and pen something that we want to see this season, um, I'd say Goodison Park was a very different place at the back end of last season. Um, you know, the patience that you kind of touched on earlier on in terms of, you know, expecting – expecting players to come in and expecting Everton to recruit 700 midfielders this summer, you know. I think the, the the element of patience that comes into me for it next season is that when the first ball is given away by Abdoulaye Decore in the middle of the park against Chelsea at home, are we going to snap back into, we despise this football club, why aren't you pleasing us? <laughs> or are we going to probably generate all of that positivity and all of that goodwill that we afforded them last season. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that most of us did that because of the the stark reality of the, of the situation that we were in. But I would like to think that over the last couple of home games of last season, that everyone just kind of quietly reflected on how good that was and how good Crystal Palace was. And, you know, every every single atmosphere that we managed to generate in that period of realisation that I think most Evertonians had. And I'm not asking for 15,000 fans to greet the team bus every weekend for every home game of the new coming season. But I think there are intricate elements to supporting this football team that were fantastic last season, both home and away. And if we can channel that again this season and make Goodison Park the place that it's meant to be, because depressingly, as a 
horrible countdown reminder. We have only got two seasons left if all goes oh, to plan. Yeah. In this yeah. Two seasons at Goodison Park. And we're, we're all kind of, you know, half-heartedly holding our hands up here and saying, well, next season might not be the magical one that we all hope. In between now, in 2022, and Everton moving into Brownlee Moor, I want to see Everton being exceptional in that stadium. I want to see a great team. I want to see a great fan base. And I want all of those quintessential Goodison Park days to happen. We, we've all seen them. We've all been there. And I think that's that's my only real hope for the next two seasons. You know, all of this progression that we speak about, I want that to continue. I want Frank Lampard to be there as manager because that will be the the, the image of that stability that we need, won't it? But Goodison Park has to be a really important place for Everton. And I think that goes without saying because every successful Everton team in recent years has been based on that place being absolutely horrible to anyone yeah. who's not associated with it. Um, and that 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 is something that I hope that hasn't fallen away over the summer. You know, things are going to happen in this transfer window. You know, great players might come in, lacklustre players might come in, and God help us, Rob, great players might leave. No, no one really knows, but that, that sense of unity and that sense of togetherness that we had against Crystal Palace it quite simply has to be there for throughout the entire of not only this coming season, but mm. in particular the season after that as well, because I, I cannot watch watch Goodison Park just falter away into the mist. I think that would be, yeah. of, of all of the episodes that this football club has been through, that would be up there with one of the most depressing if we weren't able to do this building justice. Yeah, um, it, it's very sobering when that that gets brought up. Uh, I, I, I sometimes forget that Goodison is uh, is not long for this world, and so I, you know, I'm already I'm already like God. I gotta I gotta plan my trips back over. I plan to be at Goodison at least two or three more times before um, before that occurs, maybe more. Um, so that's. That is very sobering, and and honestly, I think uh, you know Lampard's got that weight on his shoulders too, uh, to a degree. Yeah. Um, but but I think one thing that that I can say is that Lampard, for whatever critiques uh, you can very logically make about certain decisions, and and obviously he's still developing as a manager, uh, he seemed to really come in and 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 get. I don't want to say get the club because I, I hate that, but I think he gets the fans and I think he gets what what motivates uh, our, our fans and, and what what uh, Everton ought to be about. Um, I think that that unifying force and that kind of building a culture for as much as that gets overused as, as an expression is something that's that that is part of being a manager. Everyone focuses on the starting 11 and the formation. But it's it's about the things we talked about. It's about individual player development, but it's also about fostering a culture uh, where players are excited to play in the manner that you just described. Um, they are excited to fight for something that they are unified, um, and, and hopefully, um, that's something that, based on his you know winning winning background as a player, can can be transplanted to Everton. Uh, it just he needs to be given time to do it. I am I am once again inclined to probably be that guy who, you know, during the rough times is going to say, "Let's we've got to give this this time." Uh, again, let's let's hope that there is there's some some better for with fitness uh that we do some some decent things in the window uh but but that obviously some of the players that that really either showed up or you know continue to show up um 
And those that, like, we've got some real interesting storylines in terms of players who are either on contract years. You know, if, if, if Yeri Mina sticks around, he's certainly got motivation being on the final year of his deal. Deli Alley has motivation because he's trying to, you know, get himself through that crossroads and back to being a great player again. Calvert Lewin, I think, is especially motivated with Richarlison gone uh, and, and by all accounts probably desiring a move to a, quote, Champions League club. He's got to earn that with his play and his availability as well. And so, um, you know, I, I think that you've got some of the, the mixture there that would suggest that, that you can have a successful season, but it's going to require um, it's going to require concerted effort and a consistent effort. And more importantly, it's going to require fans, uh, you know, dis- not only displaying patience, but enthusiasm for the process of getting better, which is not going to be pretty at all times. But, um, you know, if it's a team we can get behind, uh, we generally do get behind them. Uh, so that's that's going to be the that's going to be the deciding factor. But Mark, it's been fantastic to be back at this, buddy. Um, we'll do this. Uh, I think I mentioned before on on one of the shows. Like we're going to try and do this a couple times a month. And um, yeah, please, uh, you know, if you listen to this and you enjoyed it, uh, please let us know. Uh, if you didn't enjoy it, uh, let us know as well because I love I love uh, retweeting hate tweets. Those are always fun too. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, please don't hurl abuse at us. Uh, Mark is. Mark is pregnant right now, and he's very sensitive right now. The hormones are at, at, the, at their peak. So, uh, But no, really enjoyed this. Uh, obviously, on the Blue Room, guys, uh, Mark and I will be on other various shows here and there. Uh, but we'll be back for Kickabout uh, whenever we're back. Uh, hopefully, in a couple of weeks, we'll have some maybe players to talk about or some other developments to talk about. But uh, And obviously, uh, we'll see where things are with uh, the naming of Baby Mosey uh, as well. So uh, for Mark... Baby Romilly. Yeah, Baby Romilly. <laughs> oh, my God. For Mark Mosey, I'm Rob Vera. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us. We'll see you guys uh, again next time for more Kickabout. Take care. Other banks go out of their way to make redeeming credit card rewards needlessly complicated. Like how they require minimums or force you to use your rewards before reaching some arbitrary expiration date. But Discover isn't like that. With Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount at any time. So you'll never have to jump through hoops. Unless you're like a trapezist, then by all means, go right ahead. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.